So, thank you for being here, and uh, I hope that you are happy to be here. Good. Y'all know that next week is Easter. It's a big deal. I was just thinking earlier, during COVID, we couldn't meet like this. Y'all, my phone rang off the hook for calls about suicide. And I knew that church was important to me, but I had underestimated how important it was for all of us. And I had underestimated how important it was to meet weekly. And as you go out today, we are handing you invite cards to invite people to church. And that's what you're inviting them to, is hope. So you're not being annoying to someone. You're offering life to someone. And it has nothing to do with me. Because praise God, churches all over this county, churches all over this nation, churches all over this world are meeting today. And they are offering hope. And you, some of you, hopefully you will go out one day. You will do what we are doing here. You will start something. And I hope that, I hope you're a better preacher than me. But I rest on this. You and I can preach the gospel better than I can, but you can't preach a better gospel than I can. And so people ask me all the time, are you nervous? Are you nervous to get up and speak? has nothing to do with me. The only thing you have to get past is letting people watch you make mistakes. If you do this as long as I have, you're like, that's already happened. <laughs> Plenty of times. Now, uh, let's pray. Father, we pray that you will speak to us, that you will minister to us today. We pray that um, you will show us all that you have for us, Jesus. Speak through your word, and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to, I don't want to scare anything away from my trap, so I'm actually just going to sit up over here today. I hope I'm not out of, out of the line of sight for anyone watching online. Uh, I, we are walking through the Exodus. So we're in the middle of a series, or actually we're at the beginning of a series, uh, called Leaving, Exiting. We don't have a great name for it. Dusty, Dusty made a name for it. What did you come up with, Dusty? That's what I thought. That's what I remember. Okay. <laughs> but the theme is that we have things that we need to leave behind, seasons of life. And I'm not talking about leaving your marriage. I'm talking about seasons of life. I'm talking about things that enslave us. And so last week we talked about how Israel got themselves sort of in a bind, okay? And I'm going to catch you up. Uh, so, uh, Israel, there was actually a man named Israel, and he had 12 sons, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. And, uh, Israel got in a bind, and there was a, a great drought, and he needed help. Well, one of his sons, his 11th son, uh, Joseph, just so happened to be set in power and be the second most powerful man in Egypt who had food supplies. And so, 
uh, Israel took his family and went to Egypt. Joseph welcomed them in, and uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt said, Oh, Joseph, awesome, your family is here. What do they do? He said, We are goat and sheep herders. They said, Okay, take the land of Goshen. And so now they're in Egypt, a little bit separate from the Egyptians, but they're in Egypt, and you're caught up. And this is what happens next. Exodus chapter 1, verse 11 through 13. Pull out your notes section. I'm going to try not to repeat myself uh, very often today. So uh, pull out your notes. Be reading through Exodus with me. But we've got to make some tracks. Exodus 1, 11 through 13. So the Egyptians appointed taskmasters over the Israelites. What? Uh, they had come into Egypt Egypt saw how much they were growing and thought, man, soon there's going to be more Israelites than there are Egyptians. Let's make them slaves. Otherwise, they may fight against us. Now, there's a little bit of a political background, a little historical background that we could go into. But they were afraid that an enemy would come in, a Semitic enemy would come in, and Israel would join them and take over Egypt. And so it was just easier to make them slaves. Plus... How handy is that? We have a free workforce. So, the Egyptians appointed taskmasters over the Israelites. Keep that word in mind. Everybody say taskmaster. Okay, because we've met a few of those. Now, hang on. The Egyptians appointed taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. As a result, they built... Uh, Pithom and Ramses, the store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and flourished. There's something behind that. We're not going to go into that today. But just because we're oppressed doesn't mean that we don't flourish. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. Every sense, every service they imposed was harsh. So... Uh, Israel went in. We really think that they overstayed their welcome. Is that true? Maybe so. Maybe not. Doesn't matter. We've all gone into something, whether it was good, bad, or neutral. Totally indifferent. Doesn't matter. We stayed too long, and somehow we became enslaved to something. And never intended this portion of life to take over the rest of my life, but it did. And then something happens that I want to point out, all right? Uh, Exodus verse 15 and 16. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shephira and Pua, if anybody's looking for baby names, <laughs> just put Pua in your list and revisit that later. He said to them, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them on the birth stools. If the child is a son, kill him, but if it is a daughter, let her live. That's important. Now, they were oppressed. They were made slaves. Slavery all throughout the Bible is not the same as the way we view slavery, but this particular instance is. This is much what like America has known, this version of slavery. Later parts in the Bible, it's in much different form in some areas, but this is a lot like what we know. Their lives were terrible, 
and now their sons are being killed. Now, I will let you know that the midwives won't do it. They won't kill the sons. And so they are blessed for that. But the people are in a bad way. And in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, something happens. Now a man of the house of Levi married a daughter of Levi, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she gave him, she got him a papyrus basket and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in the basket and set it among the reeds among the bank of the Nile. And if you know the story or if you have seen the Prince of Egypt or if you're old enough to know who Charlton Heston is, you know that we have just been introduced to a character whose name is... Man, y'all are like scholars. This is Moses. Now, Moses is going to be raised by the daughter of Pharaoh. Historically, I'm just I'm going to breeze through this. Write it down. You can do, do, go do your own research. Historically, we think that this daughter of Pharaoh, when this Pharaoh passes and has no son, is actually going to co-reign, although she is the dominant figure, with her, um, let's call him a nephew, and uh, she is large and in charge. This will be Moses' mother. In fact, history says that to demand respect, she would actually wear a fake beard. She did not want anyone treating her like less than the person in charge. She was an interesting character. And so when Moses is 40 years old, she will pass away. And then a very violent Pharaoh who was very displeased with Moses' mother is now going to come to reign. Check me on that. If I'm wrong, it doesn't make a lot of difference. Okay? The Word of God is what I'm holding on to. But historically, we think this is where Moses is going to fit into Egyptian history. Now, uh, Moses is going to raise up, and at the age of 40, he is going to leave the Egyptian lifestyle, and he is going to go to live with his people. For what reason? Because his mother's past? Maybe. Because he's under conviction? Maybe. Both? Maybe. See, we only take out what's in the Bible. We, we're, we don't, we, we're, that's called exegesis. We're taking out what's there. We're not re- reading isogetically. We're not putting ourselves into the Bible. So a lot of times you can't guess, you can't project yourselves onto an ancient Middle Eastern person and assume that their motives are your motives. So we only take out what's there. That's just a little tip for as you read the Bible. But Moses is going to go for 40 years. Uh, He is going to do something dastardly. He's going to try to save Egypt himself. It doesn't work well. And so he has the flea, and he hides for the next 40 years. And so at the age of 80, God will call him back to save his people God's way, and Moses will be with them for. 40 years. So he's going to have three 40-year segments in his life, and during that time, he is going to free the people from Egypt. Spoiler alert, huh? Talk about give away the end. He's going to free the people from Egypt, and he is going to be a sort of savior for them, and he is going to, with his own hand, pin down 
a law that they are to live by. And we call this the old law or the old covenant or the old testament. Okay, So the Old Testament consists of the law. Okay, So this is going to be the Torah or the Pentateuch, the law that Moses is going to write. Now that's who Moses is. But the Bible is 66 books. There's, there's one binding and there's 66 books in it. Exodus is book number two. But I'm going to tell you all the way from Genesis, the first book, chapter one, there's a theme that will carry on through all 66 books. There are 66 books, but there's one story. And this is all part of one story. You're seeing something. Moses is doing a lot of things that you're going to see later, oh, right around 30 A.D. The people are enslaved, and God sends them a Savior And he comes in sort of a wooden box. Sound familiar yet? Picture your nativity scene at grandma's house. Okay? So Moses is going to be placed in a basket with pitch. That word for pitch is atonement. Jesus is going to come to free his people. And he is going to be placed in a manger. Okay? And so Moses will come and free his people people and many 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 of the things that he does we're going to see repeated by Jesus see Moses is sort of a prototype of Jesus you're like I thought you said Joseph was the prototype of Jesus he was and so was Judah and so was Adam there were many God is making a point through history he's going to give us a chance and we're going to blow it he's going to give us a chance and we're going to blow it he's going to give us a chance and we're going to blow it and it's just over and over in fact if you've ever just set out and to read the old testament you're like I'm going to do this most of you died out in the book of Leviticus okay people were begotten other people and and you were like I can't begot nobody else I'm done and uh you turned on ESPN does anybody actually watch ESPN anymore you, you were Hulu Live, whatever you were watching, okay. But maybe you gave up. But if you've ever made it the whole way through, you're going to see, ooh, uh, ooh. Uh. In fact, if you journal, <laughs> if you journal and you go back and read your journal, you're like, ooh, uh, right? And so this is the story of humanity. This is the story of you. But it is, you're going to blow it, blow it, blow it, blow it, blow it. And God goes, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. Right? I thought that was better. God is like, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. Right? Yeah. That's where Jesus comes in. Because he's like, do you get it yet? You can't. You cannot. You are not good enough. You will not be righteous on your own accord. Now, Moses is going to come in and he's going to give the people a law. It's going to really reflect Jesus. In fact, go to Luke chapter 24, verse 27. All the scripture on the screen. Nobody expected you to be a Bible scholar. If you don't even have a Bible, we'll give you one today. They're in the foyer. It is our joy for you to take that, really. And we want you to go read this. You're like, I don't know if this preacher's telling me the truth. Go read it for yourself. We would love 
for you to do that. So that's an absolute joy. Now, Luke 24, 27, Jesus is speaking. and He says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scripture. Jesus himself took the scrolls, took the people all the way back through Moses and was like, look, this is me. This is what I'm doing. I am the Savior in the way that Moses was the Savior, in the way that Moses is going to give you the law. I'm going to fulfill the law. I'm going to give you a new law of grace, of love, and of mercy. Okay? So the whole story is about Jesus. Moses is a foreshadowing of Jesus. I'm going to take you through a few things. Um, so uh, I, we, we talked about this. Their birth is kind of similar. Okay? Both of them sort of come in a wooden box. That means something. Uh, Pharaoh was trying to kill all the babies. When Moses was born, if you notice, King Herod, when Jesus was born, if you've read the nativity story, he's killing all the children as well, isn't he? And so uh, Jesus has to escape. To where does Jesus escape? Egypt. And where is Moses? Mm. <laughs> I smell a plot. So both of them come out of Egypt. Moses is going to be 40 years in the wilderness where God calls him. Jesus is going to be 40 days in the uh, wilderness, years, days, yeah, but 40, okay? This is repetitive. Uh, and so they're going to be validated by miraculous deeds. We're not there yet, but people are going to be like, Moses, who are you? And he's going to do some really cool stuff, and they're going to be like, oh, well, Moses is somebody. Why? Because he was validated by miracles. Jesus comes in claiming to be the Son of God, and they're like, well, how do we know that? And he's like, Oh, yeah? Watch this dead person come to life. And they're like, oh, you might have something there. Okay? Uh, the Magi kept Jesus safe. The midwives keep Moses safe. They're both going to feed people miraculously. They have all these things in common. But you'll notice, too, that there's differences because Jesus is going to do the things that Moses cannot do do. Moses is going to kill to save the people. Doesn't work well for him, but he's going to kill someone to try to save his people. Jesus is going to die to save his people, okay? Uh, Moses is going to fail the test in the wilderness. He will not get to go into the promised land. Jesus will deny Satan, and he will pass the test, okay? Uh, Moses is going to He's going to make a law and they're going to have to sacrifice, but the sacrifice will never be good enough. Jesus is going to make one sacrifice that is good enough for all times. Okay? Moses will never make his people holy, and Jesus will make all who call upon his name holy. So as you're reading, understand that this is one story. There's more going on than just what you see. Okay? But the people, let's go back. We said a word earlier. Does anybody remember what we were talking about earlier? I had everybody repeat a word. Taskmasters. Moses came and the people were under a taskmaster. This was interesting. So there were so many Israelites that Pharaoh had to sort of divide them up and over each he would give a taskmaster. Now the same word in Hebrew is often translated as captain. Okay, uh, as, as a, a general of sorts. I like the word taskmaster because Pharaoh has an agenda 
for the Israelite people. And it is never to serve God, it is to do something else. And he's using them to build his own empire, isn't he? You're building storehouses. Satan has the same agenda for you today. He does not want you to serve God. He wants you to build something else. And be sure of this, he has assigned a taskmaster. Now, we can't see with purely spiritual eyes and I hope this freaks you out, there is something, someone supernatural who is a taskmaster over you. They know who crawls under your skin. They know what gets to you. And there is a reason that when Easter comes, stuff gets thrown in your face. There is a reason that when you begin to read your Bible, Things get worse. There's a reason that when you came to God the first time, all of a sudden the proverbial mess hit the fan. There's a reason things get harder when you try to serve God because you have a taskmaster. And he has his own agenda for your life, not your agenda for your life. That's what it means to be a slave. You do what your taskmaster says you have to do, not what you want to do right? That's what it means to be a slave. Listen to Galatians chapter 4 verse 8 through 10. This is Paul writing to a church and he says this, but in the past since you didn't know God you were enslaved to things that by nature are not gods. Have you ever been enslaved to anything that wasn't a god? Dusty just got up here and he said I have a class for anyone who's been enslaved to something that wasn't God. And some of us say, you know what? Well, I've never really been in addiction. I would take that bet. I would take that bet. I bet at some point we've all been in some sort of addiction. There's been some sort of taskmaster over you. Anytime you're like, I don't know why I did this. I don't know why I do this. How many of you are like, I don't know why I am the way I am. But now, since you know God, or rather have been known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved by them all over again? Wait a minute. This begs a question. This I wondered since I was first following Jesus. Now, the Israelites were slaves. I don't know what I just said. Did I say since I first became a Christian? could have sworn I said Egypt in there somewhere. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt, right? And so they had to do what the Egyptians wanted them to do. But then they were freed by Moses, who now writes a law, which means now you have to do what God wants you to do. So I was like, aren't they either slaves one place or the other? Are they really free now? Because he's, he says in this passage that we just read since... Uh, you were enslaved to things that are by nature not God's, but now since you know God, or rather have been known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved by them all over again? He's calling them out of slavery, but aren't they in slavery to God? This, this is just kind of how my mind works, but maybe you've wondered the same thing. Uh, because God has asked me to do some things that I don't want to do. And wasn't that our definition for slavery? When you have to do things that you don't want to do, am I not enslaved 
Now let's take a quick break and check my trap. Anything? Maybe it's because it's falling apart. But I assure you, it's a good one. Oh, easy. Easy boy. Easy boy. Oh, I forgot to bait it. If you don't know, this is a weasel trap. And you can't catch a weasel without bait. And this is the perfect bait. Come here, weasel. Come here. Come here. There's, there's like games on here. There's all kinds of stuff. I got it. I got it. I had just forgotten the bait. Now, if you don't know, sorry about that, guys. I'm an avid hunter. If you didn't know, God says in, in Galatians, again, in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm, them, and don't submit, again, to a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that he set us free. How many of you are freaking out? Let that baby out of that box. Okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you. So, me too. But there's going to be conditions because she's trapped, right? She's enslaved. She doesn't get to go where she wants to go. She doesn't get to do what she wants to do. But I'm going to be her savior. And I'm going to let her out of this box. Now, hold on, weasel. Because... Here's my rule, though. Here's my rule. You can come out of the box, but no more phone games. If you've read the story, here's what you know. The people will at some point long to be back in Egypt. Because... She was enslaved. Now she's set free, is she not? But there's a rule. No more phone games. Some of you are like, put me back in the box, dude. I just want to be with my phone. And so God says, no more phone games. And of course, that's just a silly analogy. No one would ever be enslaved to a phone. But... We get into freedom and we say, but God, you're making me a slave. Now, am I making her a slave by saying no more phone games? What am I doing? I am keeping her from getting trapped again. I did not realize how violently I pulled this string. I was so excited. I've got to re rebate this because you know from past experience that the trap is always set, isn't it? And so here's my question to you. Did I free her or not? But I said no more phone games. So am I now enslaving her? No. I am giving her a rule that keeps her from falling for the bait again. And it is my rule that will keep her free. You can applaud now. Well done, Weasel. Thank you so much. Jesus came to set us free, and he has rules that he wants you to live by, but they are not made 
to enslave you. In fact, he says, come to me, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. These rules are not made to enslave us. In fact, rules is kind of a stretch. It's more like lifestyle because here's what he gives us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Not a super enslaving set of rules. They are meant to keep us free. But then he starts getting personal. And there's a way that God wants me to handle my sexuality. There's a way that God wants me to handle my relationships. There's a way that God wants me to handle my mouth. I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. They're not made to enslave us. They are made to keep us free. And this is what I love about, and I I love the church. I love the church, and we are not better than any other church. But I belong here with you because this is the thing I love about you. You've been in that trap before. And ain't nobody here playing like you haven't been. And I love that. I don't like arguing about super highly religious topics about well, which is your favorite theologian to read on this and this and this and this guy pulled his hair of his wife one time and that's just I'm like oh my gosh I don't I don't know, know where that came from a dude a theologian pulled his wife's hair I don't know but there's just there's all these arguments and I won't read this guy because he does this and I won't do this, I don't want to do this and I'm just like I I gotta go wash my hair I am late for something I want to talk about how Jesus set me free. Well, I don't, we, we argue about these little things, and, and I don't, you guys haven't held me to that, and I don't get a lot of hateful emails about, I can't believe you're using this version of the Bible. I can't believe that you would wear some, it's just like, whoa, I can't stand talking about these things. Let's move forward. Stop being in, 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 enslaved by these things. Stop being enslaved by religiosity even. Was that not what Jesus was fighting most of his ministry? So I belong here. I love you guys. We get to have great conversations about what that was really like. You think following the peaceful teachings of Jesus is slavery? Whew! You haven't been in the box we were in, right? So, today is a special day. Today's Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter. So Palm Sunday, what happens is uh, Jesus had just raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. Now, all of his miracles really ticked off the super religious. But this one in particular was witnessed by so many people that if you could say there's one thing that got Jesus murdered, it would be the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Because at that point, uh, the, the Sanhedrin, especially the Pharisees, were like, we got to kill him. There's no other way. We've got to kill him. And so Jesus has just done this, and the people are like, this is it. This is the Messiah. And so Jesus rolls into town, and people begin to take branches from the palm trees and lay them down. This was a custom for them. They were treating him as royalty. This was something that had been done in the Old Testament, and they were like, our king is here. Our king is here. And they began to shout as he, he rode in, Hosanna. What were, they, what were they crying? Hosanna. What does that mean? It means save us. Help us, O king, basically. 
and they're pleading for Jesus' help because they're like, this is the scene where Moses comes in to talk to Pharaoh for the first time. This is the one who's going to save us from all this stuff. But Jesus stops and he makes this statement right here on Palm Sunday. He says this in Luke 19, 41 to 44. As he approached and saw the city, he wept for it, saying, If you knew this day what would bring peace what would bring peace but now it is hidden from your eyes for the days will come on you listen to this church for the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you surround you and hem you in on every side they will crush you and your children among you to the ground and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. Listen to the imagery of what he said. He said uh, all this stuff about they're going to crush you and your children and all these things. All that had been, all that had happened during his birth, all that happened in the birth of Moses. He said this is going to happen. And it has happened. And we are hemmed in. And they are crushing children. And right now, in a lot of ways, it's in a metaphorical uh, sense. But it will progressively get worse. And they're crying Hosanna. And they actually got it right. They're recognizing him as the king. But when he won't overthrow the government, they go, we got it wrong. And so they had it right. And then they thought that they had it wrong, which is where they went wrong, because they originally had it right. This was him. This was the Messiah. This is the one who would bring peace. This is the one who was going to bring them out of slavery. They wanted to be taken out of Rome, but Jesus wanted to take them out of their sin. See, if we take care of the sin, he'll take care of Rome. Anybody been invaded by Italy lately? Rome ain't a real big deal anymore. Nobody even speaks Latin anymore. It's a dead language. Rome has been handled. Sin is still the problem. Jesus came to free them from the very thing that was enslaving them, but that's not the master that they wanted because we kind of like our sin. God is trying to make us free. Jesus came to set us free. And so we have a lot of things in this world that we would like to be set free from. But make no mistake, what Christ wants you to be set free from is your own sinful nature. And that is for, listen, this is not the preacher picking on anyone because I'm in this pit too. We are all not good enough to make it to be with God for eternity. All. It does not matter who you are. If you are in here and you can fog a mirror, you ain't got what it takes. And Jesus came to set us free from the very thing that enslaved us, from the very thing that would hold us to this earth when Jesus was calling us home. Moses is validated by signs and wonders. Jesus is validated by signs and wonders. Moses had rules to follow. Jesus has rules to follow. But those rules are here to set us free. Church, be set free. There are things that you say, I wish this weren't so. I wish this weren't me. I wish it weren't this way. 
And can you come up and pray for those and God just deliver you from those immediately? Absolutely. That can happen. But listen, God says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked for man reaps what he sows. Most of you will be free because you will begin to follow Jesus. And daily, daily, morning by morning, I will have to choose the teachings of Jesus over what the world has to offer. And so you don't know when exactly you became so darn free but I remember a year ago what it was like and I remember what it's like today and you're going to have to put in some work well then that means it's by my own effort it's not God really if that's true how did it go for you last time you tried exactly it's not it's by following the teachings of Jesus planting that seed every day and then when it grows something different than what I've ever planted begins to grow and so can Jesus, you might walk up here today and just walk out and be like, man, I don't have lust or want a cigarette anymore. All right, you know. And, and, and maybe he can just rid you from anything that you would like to get rid of. And I am not holding that back. God can absolutely do that. But most of your stories will go like this. I decided to choose Jesus. And so I began to read and pray and go to church and be the church. And then temptation would come and I would stumble. But then Pastor Dusty would call me and I would begin to read and pray and go to church and be the church and I would stumble and get up 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 and I found myself such a failure. And then lo and behold, somebody was so inspired by me stumbling and getting up that they're walking with Jesus too. And this is most of the stories in this place. I am not, the Holy Spirit is here. The gifts are here. Man, healing, we've seen it in this place. Miraculous things, we've seen it in this place. Dreams, visions, we've seen it in this place. But God is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order, and He says that when we follow His teachings, we will reap something entirely different than all the things that we've planted before. Because we begin to plant new seeds. Christ wants you to be free. And that all sounds well and good as long as we're at church. And the worship team, y'all go ahead and come up. They're going to come up and they're going to play. I don't know what they're playing. I'm sure it's real sappy. And we're just going to be like, I want to do it. I want to do everything to Jesus. But then we leave and there's no more music. But then we leave and we're right back in the fire. This is why you need a church, not a building. Man, thank God for this building. It doubles as a college when it's not a church. In fact, today, if you'll hang out till noon, they serve lunch to the college students. It's like six dollars and something cents, and they serve breakfast for lunch. Amazing lunch. Hang out. Wait till noon. You can eat here. This is a building. You are the church. And when you have somebody from the church Walk along beside you, not in a spirit of judgment, in a spirit of accountability, in a spirit of brotherhood, in a spirit of sisterhood. That's when we begin to be set free. Christ came to deliver you. You will never be perfect. That was not what Jesus came to do, is make you awesome. 
So if you're not awesome, congratulations. You are the perfect candidate. He came to make you his. Now that's awesome. If you still struggle, if you still sin, we're not condoning any of those things. We're not saying any of those things are, 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 are great. We're saying, no, duh, we can't get rid of that. Jesus can. So, go to church. Be the church. Read, pray. I did that in reverse order for some reason. Follow the teachings of Jesus. We want to walk with you as you do that. You have a connection card. We want you to write that down on your connection card. Drop it in the basket. Somebody will give you a call this week. We want to uh, be here with you better yet when service is over. We would love to pray with you. We have a prayer team. In fact, prayer team, if you'll go ahead and stand up and come to the front. We have a prayer team that wants to be here and pray with you. Well, they're just going to judge me. You should hear their story. There's no judgment. There is, I can't wait for you to meet my Jesus. So better yet, better than dropping us something in, the, in, a, in a basket on a connection card, we would love for you to come down and pray with us. Grab one of the worship team. Grab me after service is over. We would love to pray for you. But church, Jesus came to set us free, and it is only by his ways that we become free. Because we've been set out before just to get back into the trap over and over and over and over and it is his teachings that will set you free no let me take that back it is his teachings that will keep you free it is his miraculous hand that pulls your butt out of a trap that sets you free okay and it is his teachings that will keep you from getting back in there over and over let's pray Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We praise you, God, that you have pulled us out. God, I'm just thinking of the man in the Bible that was so possessed by demons. And you walked in and there was just a whole legion of demons that was possessing this man. God, if you could set him free, you can set us free. God, if you can cast those out, you can cast anything out today. God, I do believe that there are those in this place who are being followed who are spiritually oppressed God we want you to deliver them show us teach, rebuke, correct, train us in righteousness Father, we want to be your hands and feet Father, we want to be delivered we want to follow your teachings and follow them into life God give us life today, church I'm not done praying but I want you to look at me for just a second as I continue to pray for you God, I pray for anyone in this place who has something that is so consuming their lives that they feel like they can't follow you, that they can't serve you, that they can't be a witness, that they can't be a minister because there's something that's just looming over their heads that, that is done wrong and that just continues to go. God, I pray that they'll have the courage to speak it out loud to another Christian and that you'll deliver them from it. God, use them in your service. God, we want church planners to come out of this place. We want prayer warriors to come out of this place. We want people to change entire family generations and dynamics. 
And God, we know that you said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Father, we pray today for forgiveness for those things. And we worship you that you do it. A perfect, mighty God putting up with little old us. Thank you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, please stand and worship with us.